Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little nervous because every time we've done an intro for the last two times, something has happened in the middle of it. (laughs) Ghost in the machine. Ah. Yes. No boxes have fallen, no dogs have barked. Mm. We're we're doing good. Ghost in the machine. Yes. Inspector Morse episode featuring Patricia Hodge. Is it really? What a good link. Which is weird because I was also thinking uh, there was an Inspector Morse episode called uh, Greeks Bearing Gifts and I thought that was the one she was in, but I was wrong. (laughs) Uh Isn't there a Jemima Shaw Investigates called Greeks Bearing Gifts? There is. (laughs) <laughs> hence the connection but That's there we go weird. I was anyway. hoping it was a better connection than it was but it turned out not to be anyway yes I suppose we shouldn't talk about what is it we're talking about this week we're at the letter J now J offers such a wide choice well I was th- afterwards after we chose this one I was kind of thinking there were so many other things we could have done mm-hmm. but we have chosen to do Jemima Shaw Investigates, but not just Jemima Shaw Investigates, Thames TV 1983, Mm. but also its precursor, the original Jemima Shaw, um, Quiet as a Nun, as part of Armchair Thriller in 1978. I did wonder whether you were going to try and save that for Q as a a sort of (laughs) So maybe if we briefly talk about it, we might return to it another day. (laughs) No, no, let's put it all in now. Let's just get it out of the way. I have notes, darling. I have notes. Fair enough. So, what is Jemima Shaw Investigates? Jemima Shaw Investigates is a, well, it's a, it's based on the books by Lady, Lady Antonia Fraser. Indeed. Uh, a series of crime novels, uh, and so it is another crime series. Uh, we seem to keep coming back to crime series. A lot of dramas, it's either medical or crime, isn't it, these days? So, or in those I days. I don't think even. that's our fault. That's just how TV is. Indeed. We've done a lot of other sorts of things. I mm. think we're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it it lasted for one season in 1983, 13, no, 12, 12 episodes. Yeah. Uh, one two-parter and another, a further 10 episodes as the series, uh, starring the delightful, uh, uh, <laughs> such fun, such fun, um, uh, God, what's her name? <laughs> Patricia Hodge. <laughs> Patricia Hodge. Such fun. Yes. I think it's 12 episodes, the series, isn't mm. it? Did you say twelve or ten? I feel like I feel like I'm it's one of those. It's a two-parter followed by ten. Um, oh, sorry. I'm like one of those. I think you'll find people on the fine. internet. <laughs> I think you'll find. It's twelve. Oh, That's the sort of podcast we're doing now. I think <laughs> upon the upon the uh, in the episode uh, Death Alley Court. I think you'll find. <laughs> 
But Zelina Warner was well known for her appearances in the Prisoner series. <laughs> you said she was in Department S, but it wasn't true. People might prefer that podcast, Martin. It probably would, actually, yeah. Let's face it, yeah. <laughs> the wind is blowing. The wind is I blowing. hate that I was that person. I'm just going to make a public apology to everyone listening for being I think you'll find man. Sorry. <laughs> we'll get t-shirts done. Can I just reveal something before we get any further? That I was so confused watching this because I was like, I'm fairly sure I watched this and I enjoyed it back in the day. Right. And then it suddenly hit me that I wasn't thinking about this show at all. Was it Yellow Thread Street? No! <laughs> It really wasn't. I was thinking of a probably a little-known show starring Imogen Stubbs as a detective called, oh, Anna, God, called yes. Anna Lee. And that's what I was thinking of. That's what I used to watch yes. and quite enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. No, no. I bet you can't find that anywhere. <laughs> I bet you can't either, no. Buried on the CV, never to be talked of again. Yes, I bet Imogen's done stuff to, to bury that. It's the Hamish <laughs> Macbeth of Imogen Stubbs' career. <laughs> Wow. Bless. So, do you want to read the back cover of the DVD? Well, I will, yeah. I, yeah. Jemima Shaw investigates uh, the back cover of my uh, delightful uh, DVD box set. Uh, is Patricia Hodge, whose name I couldn't remember earlier. Patricia Hodge stars as the investigative journalist, TV presenter, writer and amateur sleuth, first encountered in the famously chilling armchair thriller Strand. Or actually first encountered in the books, but Quiet as a nun, also available from Network DVD. <laughs> Get the plug in. This enormously popular series, based on the novels by Antonia Fraser, also features Lady two... Antonia Fraser. No, no, not, not on my not on my set. My... No, no, not on mine. No just, lady just... there. She's no lady. No. <laughs> also features appearances by Tom Baker. Sir Tom Baker. <laughs> Sir Tom Baker, the big selling point of this box set, I imagine. Uh, Don Henderson, Bill Nye, Brian Cox, and Lisette Anthony. Poised, determined, and possessed of a sharp intellect and a keen eye, <clears throat> Jemima presents Megalith Television's Jemima Shore Investigates. But in her spare time, she uses her connections to pursue her own investigations, and her relentlessly inquiring mind uncovers crime and intrigue of every variety, particularly within the world of the wealthy and the privileged. My God, she's Columbo. She is Columbo in a Laura Ashley dress. <laughs> yes. Now, um, do you want to go back and talk about Armchair Thriller first? or I think we probably should, because cause otherwise my I think your mind persona will come out. Well, uh, well Jemima Shaw Investigates uh, was made in 83. Uh, the, uh, Armchair Thriller was a late 70s series, so it's about four years, I think, between four or five years between hmm. the two series. Uh, and the original Jemima Shaw was played by Maria Aitken. And wasn't she good? Much preferred as to Patricia, Patricia Hodge wasn't expecting it that. It was a very understated performance in uh, Quiet as a Nun. Yeah. Now, Quiet as a Nun is a six-part uh, story in the armchair thriller Strand. I think it was the fourth fourth one uh, shown, and 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 you know it's it it is what it is. It's a, it's a six half hours uh, based on the novel. I I'm intrigued that the two stories that have been adapted for television 
that were based on the novels seemed to be not the best of it. But oh. that, perhaps we'll come back to that later. So, can I tell you what mm-hmm. I thought of Quiet as a Nun? Mm-hmm. So, I really, I really liked it. I really liked Quiet as a Nun. Now, I did it the other way around. I watched the four episodes of Jemima Shaw Investigates before. That we said we were going to watch, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, God, I've got to do Quiet as a Nun as well. Mm. I did it in one sitting, Mm. and I thoroughly enjoyed it because it felt like I was watching Doctor Who. Right. It was very much a romp. It was half-hour episodes. Um, You could get through it easily, and it wasn't anything staggering, but it was kind of camp fun. Mm. Um, and it had nuns in it. And it had what? Nuns. Nuns. It had nuns. Nuns. Intrigue in a nunnery. Particularly Renee Asherson as Mother Ancilla, mm. um, Sylvia from Tenko. That was a big bonus. Jemima, my child. How well you look. Such a long, long time. Yes. You never married, my child? No. Too much involved in your work? Yes. Yet, of course, we understand a life of devotion. Oh, well, I wouldn't... In which the ideal of home and family are sacrificed. We, too, have made that sacrifice in honour of the blessed Lord. It can be very hard. Sometimes too hard. Sister Miriam. Yes, Mum? Perhaps the sacrifice was a little too much for her. Perhaps I wondered so much about her vocation... And and Sylvia Coleridge, of course, who's always good value in that. Sort yes, of thing. but then there's even more than that. You've got Susan Engel auditioning to be <laughs> Vivian Fay. <laughs> yes. It's exact. It's like Vivian Fay in a habit, isn't it? Quite honestly. <laughs> who's that? I'm Sister Agnes. I was here kneeling. Yes, but who's that? That other person that rushed past me. Who was it? There's no one else here, Miss Shaw. Who put out my candle? The chapel is empty. It was broadcast about four or five months before Stones mm. of Blood. So I think she recorded this first. Someone somehow got to see it or do something. I don't know when they recorded Stones of Blood, but it's too close a role, I think. But of course, this this was a massive red herring because I was convinced as soon as I saw Vivian Faye in a habit, I was like, well, she did it. Mm. <laughs> but you also <laughs> have Duran Goodwin, who is Mrs. Shoestring, isn't she? Mm. And she's another nun. There's so many people in this who mm. were... Such a strong cast. A tiny, tiny Patsy Kensit. Teeny, tiny. Teeny, and also, also, little Susie from, whatchamacallit, Grange Hill. Ah. Yes, who I always enjoyed in Grange Hill ever since the, the key moment where she flattened Alex Kingston with a judo move after she'd been <laughs> trained up by Alan. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Take that was... river song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so she's always in my heart because of that. I've been waiting. Surprise, surprise. I said what I'd do if you told anybody. I didn't tell anybody. How did Sutcliffe know then? Maybe he recognised the different handwriting. You told him. I didn't. Well, you're just going to have to carry on doing my homework now. No, I'm not. You think you're safe with Fat Man over there, don't you? Go away. I'm not in the mood for you. Oh. You're going to wish you didn't do that. Look at them fighting. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, uh, she's beaten our call. That's a surprise, isn't it? Yes, I've got to see. Oh! Had enough, have you? Do you want some more? Well? I've had enough. 
going then. Go on. Told you, didn't I? Thank you. Flipping it, fat man. You're well away there, my old son. Linda Slater is the actress. I was looking for that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it and I wasn't expecting to... I'm just thrilled I find they all seem a little bit too long and a little bit too slow now. But at mm. the time, they were they were doing a different job. They were, cause there was, uh, was it like one on Tuesday, one on Thursday? Yes. And over sort of three weeks. And they, and they really, you know, they got people talking and they had momentum. And the, I'm always surprised how many episodes are in quite a lot of the stories. I think, you know, good God, they're going to stretch this out. <laughs> yes. You know, but actually, um, of that sort of 70s anthology thing... Because uh, uh, thriller, the original uh, Brian Clemens thriller, they all—they're only in, uh, an hour. They all seem a little bit stretched out sometimes, a little bit very seventies attitude. Yeah. The armchair thriller tends to be more suburban, more but more cosy in some ways. Right. And, it's the only uh, one I've ever watched, so I don't right. have any comparisons. So you're there. No, well, it's, 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 I mean, if you've got the armchair thriller box, I have. Set, it, it, it is worth having a look at some okay. of the others. But which, they are... which others do you recommend, just so I know? Well, I mean, I'm working my way through it, so I, I've only re I've got... Uh, I, I thought the first one, which is uh, Rachel in Danger, was quite fun. Okay. You know, And I remember the one on the train from when I was a kid, but uh, again, I've not got to that one yet. Because yeah. <laughs> there's so much telly to watch, and I've got Indeed. to fit in things. I've got to fit in watching... 12 hours of Jemima Shore Investigates before a recording session. You know, but how can I watch anything else? So shall I just explain what happens in Quiet as a Nun to those that Absolutely. don't know? Give me a synopsis, man. Okay, so we have a nun called Miriam, real name Rosabel Powerstock, who is found starved to death in a tower at a nunnery. And we don't know why she died. We have no idea. Turns out... That um, sorry, I'm making this up as I go along. I'll cut this little bit here. <laughs> Jemima Short is dispatched. Did you, did, you, did you get your sister to write this? Yeah, I know, exactly. It feels like that. <laughs> Jemima Short is dispatched to the nunnery because she used to go there when she was a she was a day girl. And, uh, yes. This is actually very inspired by Alex. I've just realised I haven't got notes on reading, and she. <laughs> <laughs> investigates the mystery and things happen. There we go. <laughs> yes, yes, fair enough. There is, there is in the middle of Quiet as a Nun, there yes. is a scene which terrified the nation. Tell us, tell us, it's, Martin. It's the sudden mysterious of the blank-faced, sorry, the sudden appearance, mysterious appearance of the black-faced nun out of the shadows. Scream, end titles. Yeah, but and it, I was that, kind of like, I was expecting to be more scared of it than I was, but the problem is that the nun doesn't—the nun doesn't just get up out of the armchair, the mm. rocking chair. Mm. I mean, it's that brilliant bit where she's on the stairs. She says, that chair's rocking, which is terrifying. Mm. And then she goes up into the tower, and the nun sat there rocking away with a black face. But mm. the problem is, if the nun just got up and went towards her, then that would have been a brilliant episode ending. But what happens is the nun slaps her in the face. So mm. you know it's a corporeal person. You know it's mm. not a ghost. You know immediately it's a person. And that mm. robbed the cliffhanger for me. I think it was it was 
that was nicked for the woman in black uh, stage play. And right. That, that, that rocking chair thing yeah. feels like someone like, hold on, that's effective. We're having that. But of course, completely uh, sort of black stocking over the face thing. It is actually quite a strong image. I know. Yes. I imagine uh, also w without knowing it was coming and cutting to you know to the end credits and everything like that. It, it back in sort of seventy eight. It must have gone. People really must have gone. What now? Because this stuff was on at like half seven in the evening, wasn't it? it wasn't I know. It's eight quite it wasn't, early, yeah. isn't it? Yes. And I think because there were schoolgirls in it, I imagine younger kids would have wanted to watch it because there was kids in it as well. Mm. It felt very like. Did you ever see a series called Schoolgirl Chums? With, no, with, I've with, heard of it, but no. with Lala Ward and I think that had Patsy Kensett in it and stuff and Gary Russell and it was it was really good but it was like this kind of closed community girls school and it was all this weird stuff going on so it had a very similar vibe I felt and I enjoyed that just to say it was directed by Moira Armstrong who mm -hmm. has a very good pedigree one of my favourite series that it's still not available on DVD she directed Bluebell she also right. directed Testament of Youth Shoulder to Shoulder. And more interestingly, in this context, Body and Soul, which is okay. another big nun drama. That was <laughs> nun drama. Nun drama. Or... There's a podcast. <laughs> yes. That's good. We're getting ever more niche with our podcast ideas. Um, but Body and Soul was written or at least adapted by Jill Hyam. Mm. So that's why I know about it. And that was all about nuns. I think it was BAFTA nominated for Best Drama. All about so, nuns. That's, yes. That's, that's the book you've never written. <laughs> exactly. Nor will I ever. <laughs> Things we liked in this, other than the um, other than the blackface nun, what else was mm. good? Well, uh, th there's a Doctor Watson in it as as the uh, MP who's basically her, her fling, her latest. Fling. Oh yeah, so that's David Burke, and mm -hmm. he's playing Tom Amius MP. Interesting because he the character turns up in one of the Jemima Shaws investigates, but just as someone who she meets, not who yeah. she's having a fling with. So I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and yes. uh, oh god, what's his name? Who plays the uh, the estate agent? The sorry, the the guy who's trying to buy the oh yeah, Mister Alexander Scarbeck, James mm. Lawrenson, who I know best as Ross from Sharp. Mm. That's the but thing. He, uh, he I think he's in one of the very early Morses as well. Right? Oh, I think he's in he? one of the very early endeavours. He it's one of those actors who, if you want a sort of slightly villainous, slightly businessy person, <laughs> <laughs> he seems to have been the go-to guy. Yes. Are you are you slightly villainous? Are you slightly businessy? Then it's you. <laughs> well I was the, the other thing that interests me about uh, Quiet as a Non is that it kind of ends quite early in the last episode. The story is over. Yes, literally the quite... start of the episode six like mm. resolves it all almost. Mm. Yeah, and then you get half an hour of chat really in the walking <laughs> yes. down graveyards. That's the way they used to do it. Yes, you know it's 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 kind of interesting that. To, you, the thriller part is basically over five minutes into the final episode. No, it's, it's, uh, and of course, you know, uh, sort of, you know, divine justice is served. And it is, and that's what I really didn't like about it. It was like, it was choosing not to actually have any supernatural elements at all, other than the fact that in the end, God intervenes and ensures that the baddies <laughs> get their commands. The baddies. <laughs> But yeah. I think it's interesting because when, I mean, obviously someone at Thames thought, oh, there's a series in this, or yeah. you know, there's the rights to these books, um, you know, we could do it. And it took four years or five years to develop. But the again, they recast. Now, I don't know whether that's because Maria Aitken's career went off. She went off to become a director, didn't she? Everything like mm. that. But um, it's interesting to me that she is only one year older than Patricia Hodge. 
So actually, by the time timey-wimey stuff happens, by the time Patricia Hodge was playing her, she was three years older than Maria Aitken was when she was playing it, if you see what I mean. So yeah. it wasn't more youthful casting. It wasn't one of those, oh, we need someone younger and more dynamic. I, I suspect uh, Patricia Hodge would, just had a higher profile because she'd done a couple of sitcoms at that stage, hadn't she? And was yeah. quite well-known, a well-known face. And people, people in telly, uh, Joanna Lumley's career, not, you know... Uh, in the same kind of thing, they like a cut glass posh lady. Posho, yeah, yeah. They do I, like poshos. I have some further reflections on Quiet as a Nun, if I may. Oh, absolutely. I also was very much reminded once again of Dorothy Alsayers, the gaudy night mystery, which is Harriet going mm. back to her old university college to investigate murders amongst the women there. It had a very similar feel. So I think mm. Antonia Fraser was definitely lifting from that. Mm. Also. I was just struck by how Jemima was allowed to be an independent woman who was having an affair quite openly with a married man. And she had her own house. She had her own business. I mean, her own you know career. And I thought for 78, that was quite strong and different. I imagine at the time, now it looks tame, but at the time that was quite a thing. Mm. I always remember when Felicity Kendall did that series, The Mistress, and like mm. people were like, oh my God, Felicity Kendall's being evil. She's actually in this series where she's actually openly a mistress of a married man. Mm. But then mm. that was like a few years later, or was it about mm. the same time? But it's like, don't underestimate how much impact that must have had. Mm. It must have been really, wow, she's the she's like the heroine. She's the lead of this. And yet she's, she's a naughty, you know, mm. homewrecker. Arguably, Quiet as a Nun is the most memorable or most remembered of the armchair. Oh, is it? So it's possible that they thought, hmm, there is a series in this. And Mm. that having a... I mean, because you're at a time, when you think about it, you're at the time of Thatcher. You know. You know. But but that idea of a, a central strong central female performance in television series it was so rare i mean at about the same time you have got tenko of course happening so it was obviously a movement towards well what have we got the rights to if you like <laughs> oh hold on we've got this we could we could try and do this again yeah. yeah um i also wanted to say that there was there was occasional moments where i was like oh my christ this is 1978 there was one <laughs> line when it was the poor little black children Ah, <laughs> which is about the the Christmas bazaar, and also I didn't understand the Christmas bazaar where Patsy Kensett's mother was there to close the bazaar, not to open it. That <laughs> felt like it was such an important plot point. It really wasn't. It was so weird. <laughs> I just well, felt uh, I, I was just very confused by that. School schoolgirls in peril in Mallory Towers is always always a, yes, <laughs> but it always has to depend and on that's, some event, and yeah. that's why. Sorry, go on. No, that's when it became a kids' drama for me, and I think that's why I enjoyed mm. it because it reminded me of kids' drama mm. as I watched as a kid. I'm sure you'll all agree it's been such a splendid day, and I'm pleased to say that most of our work has been sold. There'll be a few moments after Lady Polly's speech when you can snap up those last few bargains and drink a final cup of coffee. Lady Polly. Thank you, Mother Ancilla. How very kind of you to ask me to open this... Clothes. What? Clothes. Oh, uh, clothes. This splendid fate. It's a bazaar. <laughs> ah, yes. Bazaar. You have to have a countdown and you have to have parallel things going on, so... And also, the other thing that it reminded me of, 
that's something that I'd forgotten that I love was mm. when you watch kids' dramas in mm. the 70s and 80s, every mm. next episode, it would have a recap of what happened in the previous episode with stills. Mm. I love and you get that in object thriller. I love it. It's like Jemima has visited this nunnery and she's now been captured by the blackface nun. You know, I love that. In the calming voiceover. I'm going to play one in now. Attacked while visiting a tower in the grounds, Jemima recovers in the convent infirmary. She learns that hidden somewhere in the convent is a new will made by Sister Miriam and suspects that a small girl, Tessa Justin, knows where it is. But Tessa goes missing. Love it. What what fascinates me about them is that they only actually seem to recap the previous episode. <laughs> the, what happened in the previous... They don't seem to encapsulate the whole story. Oh, God, no. It would take far too long. It really would. But I also did guess who it was just before the end. Because I was like, how can she be okay with being in the nunnery? She likes medicine. She's a bit different. She's a bit ooh. She's a bit of a ah. But mm. I thought it has to be her. It has to be what she called sister, um, whatever she was called. I mean, there's a long history, isn't there, of, of spies disguised as nuns in in Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think yes. even uh, Thirty Nine Steps has a couple, <laughs> or at least one. <laughs> yes. So it's kind of a, it's a strong image. I mean, I I regularly remember there being a new Avengers episode or. Or, or something where, where, where someone suddenly pulled a mis- submachine gun or something. Although that could just be some horrible memory that's in my head. I also just wanted to give a bit more of a shout out to Sylvia mm. Coleridge. There was mm. one scene in the final episode, or was it in the fifth one? I don't know, where she said, I'm just a frightened old woman. And it was such a lovely performance of fear mm. in this old woman. Mm. Um, I just thought that was, that was so good. Mm. I liked that. I am acting, Reverend Mother, as the oldest member of the community. Good. Good. Would you mind? Tessa wanted to talk to you, didn't she? I stopped you going to her. Poor child. I'm so very sorry about that. So very sorry. Now, I'm a frightened old woman. Sit down. Now listen, sister. Mother Ancilla asked me to come here because she was anxious about the community. She wanted me to uncover whatever was discordant at the heart of the convent. At first I was sceptical. It seemed a monstrous kind of suggestion. But now I know Tessa didn't write that note. I know it. I've had some exactly the same. She knew it was a bad situation. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and the weirdest thing, the weirdest moment, which I also want to play in, is <laughs> I think it was people who'd never, ever been to church, or at least to a nunnery. And mm. there was the final service in one of the episodes where mm. they were saying the words and then they were meant to respond to the words that were being mm. said, the liturgy. And they kept saying the word response. So to tell right. people that they had to respond, so the nun would say response and then say the words. No, mm. response, it's like reading out your name when you're in a play. You don't do mm. it. The response is from the people to say, this is what you now say. It's such a weird thing. And I was thinking, does no one on the production know this? No one says the word response. So weird. I'm going to play that in now. May we never be deprived of the care you show through them. Response. Lord, nourish the lives of your people. Through your sacred ministers, you are present in our midst as the shepherd of our souls. Never cease to guide us through their teaching and encouragement. Response. Lord, Lord nourish the lives of your people. 
Martin rubbed his beard thoughtfully and said, Hmm. <laughs> also, can you explain to me about the black coffee? That was a red herring. Very weird red herring. You've got to have red herrings. I think that's the thing. I mean, the the whole thing about getting your telly talked about is to have lots of, you know, people say, oh, no, I think it's them or I think it's them. Again, it's based on a novel. It's based yeah. on Age of Mamish. Yes. Now, Lady Antonia Fraser went on to write an awful lot of very much respected uh, non-fiction. Yes. Uh, Jemima Shaw seems to be. Uh, it's about a dozen books, isn't it, altogether? Yeah. She seems to have written. Uh, and it, it's kind of. I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, these sort of worked, but I'm stopping doing it now. I don't, I don't know. There doesn't seem to have been any real enthusiasm for, you know. 40 or 50 of them you know it's not it's not the maigret of its day it's, it's kind of like they fizzled out and i want to write these books now because they're more important and much more um you know but then again if you want to get your name into publishing uh, you know write something popular i suppose yeah As, the final thing i wanted to say about it was that on a deathbed Renee ashton's character mother ancilla is mm. convinced that jemima will be given the gift of faith but there's oh. no no evidence that she was given that She's certainly no. very she much given, not she was given something. Yes. not <laughs> in Jemima Shaw investigates. Not that mm. I saw very, mm. very um, godly and religious. Mm. Mm. It's interesting actually that because again the the character's background in Quiet as a Nun doesn't feel very connected. I know people live their lives and things change, but doesn't feel very connected to the the sort of backstory in in Jemima Shaw investigates and you almost it's not like it's been retro you know whatever they do retro mm. wibbly wobbly kind of quietly forgotten about really yeah. you know or well, I mean there's not even reference made to oh do you remember that time at the nunnery oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> you know none of that which probably I suppose it was a it was a convent school wasn't it I suppose mm. I keep saying nunnery I've kept saying that um there was something else I wanted to say about it. It was just close. It's just come flowing away from my mind. Oh yes, was the Blessed Eleanor in Quite as a Nun, Eleanor of Aquitaine? Oh, because I think she must have been. Cause she said she was she was Queen of England, and uh-huh. she okay. and so so I thought that was an interesting thing. I also have got a note here. Every character seems to be related to someone else secretly. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, that was her sister. Oh, that was her cousin. That was her aunt. It was bizarre. I couldn't keep that's track of telly, that. though, isn't it? That's well, I know, that... but it was particularly yeah. it was particularly prevalent in this this story. I mean, you know, you can't just move into Albert Square. You have to <laughs> once upon a time been the second cousin twice removed of. Uh, yes. I don't know whatever the Albert Square people were called. <laughs> As you can see, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yes. Anyway, how we... many unknown brothers did Den Watts have? Ah, <laughs> oh, well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Okay, we probably should move on from Quiet as a Nun to the horror that is Jemima Shaw investigating. Now, you see, I I worried. I I, I, I seem to remember, after you decided you would buy Jemima Shaw investigating. Yes, it's your fault. Let let this be known for the record that I I only own this because of you. I I did try and suggest something else for Jay because I suddenly thought oh we could do I can't, I'm not going to say what it is because we might do it next time exactly but Indeed. but um and I and I think you said well I bought it now so I thought all right we're stuck with yeah that. now we're fucked
bought it in a, one of these sales. I thought, oh, it might be interesting because it's got some interesting actors. Mm. Well, networks network says it's got some interesting actors. <laughs> and I bought it about a year, uh, maybe two years ago. And I put it on, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. And I, I put it on, and I watched the... I put the f first disc in, the first episode, and I got about five minutes in and thought, oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> honestly, honestly, a splash of red, the first two-parter, which lasts for mm. an hour and 40 minutes, mm. it is perhaps the most ill-conceived, poorly directed, poorly lit, <laughs> poorly... The sound on it is appalling... <laughs> There's one particular scene which I could never believe. I'm, half the time you can't hear what people are saying because of the Thames um, and for the traffic outside, which is meant to be sort of like realistic, but it just means you can't hear people speak. Mm. The sound designer must be, should have been shot. But there's <laughs> one scene towards the end, the big denouement at the end of episode two, where she walks off to get a glass of wine, a bottle of mm. wine, during the, the big reveal sort of thing. And you can't hear what she's saying because she's turned away from the boom. She's gone to get yeah. a wine bottle. It's like Acorn Antiques. It was... Yes, a lot, there's a lot of people a long way from their microphones. <laughs> yes, and, and, just and, regularly. And it's like, you can't make TV like this in 1983. Oh, poor Chloe. Poor little Chloe. And the man you think killed her. He did. He did it. Well, Kevin Jonathan, you told your story. What do you mean, most of it? I bet you are joking, Jemima Shaw. It was true about your coming up here and finding the door open and walking around the flat shaving. It made me think that this must be, like, to do with the fact that they actually were doing this on the cheap and they didn't actually have the good sound guys, they didn't have the good lighting guys, they didn't know really what they were doing and it was a very young team working on the series. I've never seen this bad a tv production you see i think it's uh, it, it feels weirdly when you watch the whole lot and i forgot for my sins despite the fact we said we'd only watch four i did actually end up <gasps> watching all 12 you didn't i did you I didn't. didn't you know i um you sick yeah. man <laughs> well there are reasons for this okay. one of the reasons was that when i said right i'm diving in having had that five minute experience a while ago <laughs> people people you know, on my twitter feed were going oh i love that series i think it's great it's brilliant and i'm thinking right i'm obviously missing something here i need, I need to give it a bit more right oomph. and i get the impression that the two-parter that tops it all off the like you say the splash of red feels like a pilot it, it genuine because it feels slightly different in style to the rest of it if and it is again based on one of the books and if that is a, a very close adaptation of one of the books god the book must be awful honestly I mean, it's such a terrible story and it's so problematic on so many levels oh, as well. i mean yes i knew i knew i knew this was coming she yeah. was i mean ken, reg ken hutchinson. Was regularly regularly attacked by ken hutchinson and and like slavered over, half mm. raped by him almost mm. while he's mm. drunk, kisses her, and he she's mm. just like oh, okay, and she smiles mm. as she's he's been he's slapped her in the face, assaulted, mm. and she's fallen on the floor several times, and she keeps going back for more. Oh yeah, yeah, it's I'm quite happy for you to kiss me, you disgusting drunk old turd. It's horrible. <laughs> well, and yes, she just shall keeps... we shall we say um, stereotypical Irish character. Oh, it's terrible. The, the character Kevin the John Athlone. We have to mm. play a bit of him because he's unbelievable. Oh! oh. oh. All right. Now where is she? Who? Chloe. 
Chloe, the daughter of the Dockler. How the hell do I know? All right, Doc, she won't get away. Okay, leave me to her. You're my mature investigator. You know where she is? Take me there. Let go of me, you drunken slob. Jesus! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been drunken. And, uh... I've been drinking because of that damn whore. Oh, Jesus Christ, I could use some whiskey! Have you got any about the place? No, and even if I had, there'd be none for you. Of course. You're quite right. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go home, I'm going to have a shave, and I'm going to have a shower. And then I'm going to go out, and I'm going to buy the biggest bunch of flowers in the whole of London, and I'm going to come back. Red flowers! A wonderful splash of red! It goes with my sculpture to uh, liven up this whited sepulchre. There is no need to go on apologizing. Uh, I'm not apologizing. I'm wooing you. Oh my God. Mm. Just terrible it acting. It is interesting as well when you talk about staging, about because Ken Hutchinson, Ken Hutchison's scene uh, yeah. in the denouement, he's basically again when you talk about staging, he's in the other room with no with very bad microphone, <laughs> and he's like, why would you stage it like that? You know, when you think about how um, a murder is announced or or whatever, the Poirots always gather the suspects together. I mean, it's it's trying to do that it in is. a more interesting way whilst they flounce around with glasses of wine, and, and it's. it's it's, it's the worst it's the worst gathering of suspects scene I've ever seen it mm. it just oh it's just amazing and I couldn't believe it because it just shows how mad people are on IMDB someone said I suppose the best part of a splash of red is the is the the scene where all the suspects are gathered I'm like have you never watched television this is the most <laughs> appallingly directed sound produced piece of any any scene ever it Do was you think just, maybe it, it's trying to be a bit meta <laughs> well that can be its only excuse you um, see what gets me is uh, one of the things that always strikes me is that when television does television on television if you see what I mean it pretends that people are making programmes on yeah. television it always does it incredibly poorly and all the uh, professionals that are, or so called professionals that you see on display are cliches who are, are living a particular lifestyle uh, and the, the opening of this show is a scene in the TV studio. Yeah. That's really what put me off. And it looks really, really trashy. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about it is that they have a different logo to the series logo for the series within the series that's also called Jemima Shore Investigates. <laughs> so it's kind of like, was that the one they were going to go with? But they uh, they decided, you know, because that looks really bad. But it's just... <laughs> It's and the other interesting thing I, I suppose it's just something I did want to touch on yeah. is that in the title sequence, you've got lots of the overhead uh, television screens, yeah, and and it shows images of the show, yeah. And what fascinates me about that, although it would probably have been too expensive, is it's kind of showing scenes from the story you're watching, and I kind of think they should have kept that up for the series you know the scenes like mission impossible used to do you know this episode yeah i just think that would have been more interesting well, than might have basically nigel devalient flumping to the ground oh. every week you know oh, honestly i mean that was terrible nigel devalient there's so many people i felt so sorry for most mm. of all patricia hodge she looked bemused confused she looked like all the time she was acting you could see at the back of mind thinking 
this is going to be the biggest disaster. This is going to kill my career. You could see she was thinking it all the way through. I'm getting paid for flouncing around various wine bars in white outfits. <laughs> yes, and for people slathering on my neck and kissing oh. me who shouldn't. The most, my favourite scene though was hilarious. I've never thought that people ran like this. Do you know at the start mm. of Canine and Company where Elizabeth mm. Sladen has to do that very slow oh, jogging? Yeah. There's one point where Patricia Hodge has to do that in that warehouse. And it was just, <laughs> oh my God, someone does run like that in real life. It was, yeah. well, in a TV series. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, 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 again, it's it's one of those things. It's kind of like we're going to we're gonna punch out lifestyles. Although in the pilot she hasn't got one. Later on she's got this sporty white Mercedes. No. And all this kind of thing. And, and I'm, go, I'm a go-getter and I go to wine bars and I have a choice of white outfits to flounce <laughs> in. And, and all that. It, 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 and of course, despite the title, I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't get the impression there was much actual investigation going on. No, it was kind of like, I'll ask you a question, I'll ask you a question. She kept wandering between locations aimlessly. Mm. The, my most favourite scene in it, because it's so terrible, was mm. the scene where she goes to a restaurant and talks to this woman with the most atrocious French accent I've ever heard. <laughs> She's called Isabel. And mm. at the end of it, there's this scene where she talks to these waiters and it's interminable. And even she gives up on the scene mm. and they're still recording. <laughs> and she, I'm going to play that fitting because that was just like the most terrible scene I've ever seen. Other than the other one I already said. <laughs> Did you tell all this to the police? I don't most of it, but I'm a businessman. I don't tell them about Lady Lionel's tears. That's a private. It's not for the police. The only thing they want to know is that Sir Richard was here from one o'clock on 2.30. And that I tell them, I swear to it, and my two waiters, Nikos and Spiros, they swear to it too. But yeah, I like it though. This or Sir Richard is another key for me getting a snowman. And I had to have Του είπαμε ότι ήταν εδώ πέρα από τη μία ώρα ως τις δυόμιση, καταλάβατε. Εντάξει, εντάξει, εντάξει κύριε. Oh, so many terrible things. I, I mean, we do, we do like to try and be positive. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, there was. It amused me on lots of levels. There's a scene with Alec Linstead and Norman Jones, two sort of. Oh two, yes. Yeah. yeah. Sort of bit part actors or uh, character part actors who turn and, and you think, oh, it's Linstead and Jones. Oh, but Linstead's in not this one. He's in the a la carte. Oh, is he? Oh, right. Yes, but Norman Jones was in this. Hieronymus was the inspector, and he also looks like he's trying to act his way out of it, but has no chance. <laughs> but um, perhaps if I punch somebody, they'll replace me. <laughs> but can you tell me, please, who the worst actor is in this? Because honestly, the performance is just unbelievable. I'm going to play a bit of her in, uh, but it's uh, and it's not even Isabel. It's not the French woman. It's someone else who was replaced after this pilot. Oh. Mm. Hello. Hello. Have a nice lunch. Yes, very nice, thank you. And you? Fantastic. What's that supposed to mean? It means you're not the only person to fight for exotic lunch. Lunchtime, anyway. What's the difference between lunch and lunchtime? Adam yes. told me while we were discussing something that he was looking from his balcony about half past one on the day when closed morning. And? He saw Kevin John Athlone leaving in a hurry. And he told the police that? Yeah. Oh, well, that's really interesting. No, what's interesting is what he didn't tell them. What's that? He carried on looking and he saw someone coming towards the house. Who? 
Sir Richard Lionel. It's Tessie, the assistant. The assistant. Mm. She's terrible. She mm. just can't act for, for toffee. And See, I thought, actually, weirdly, because when we say, oh, picking bad performances in Jeff Jemima, we should investigate the pilot, is um, I thought you were going to go for the victim. Oh, Fiona Victory, mm. um, as Chloe. Who I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought they'd done her hair to make her look a little bit like Verity Lambert. I was getting a, a Verity vibe. Oh, maybe they, were, that was, maybe they were doing something around that, yeah. But um, honestly, Tessie, and mm. poor, I mean, even though Tessie was a terrible actress, there's at one point where where Jemima willingly whores mm. her out to mm. actually go and sleep with a photographer. She insi- she kind of tells her to do that so she can get mm. information out of her. But the most hilarious thing is they have sex, but because this is Thames TV and pre- presumably before the watershed, he, um, they're in a sleeping bag together and they emerge from it fully clothed. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> just so We're going to have a fumble. We're going to have a fumble in a bag. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. It was so weird. And all of the acting was so heightened. It's modern and edgy. <laughs> but you could you could see this was desperately trying to be an aspirational drama. It was before we had the term yuppie, I think. So it was very much, this is how people in London are living. This is the sort of lifestyle you could aspire to. There's nothing wrong with this. You can sleep with whoever. It's pre-AIDS. Um, it's pre-HIV. It's, it's, you know, this is the sort of life of the rich and famous. And this could be your world on TV once a week. And that's how what it's trying to sell. How far before Howard's Way is it? How far before? Exactly, it's that sort of vibe. Um, Howard's Way starts mm. in eighty-five, so it's that right. sort of train. It's like yeah, a couple of years before. Yeah, so it is. It's the eighties yuppie. Yeah, wine bar life. Wine bar. I mean, let's face it. This thing runs on wine, and you actually do wonder whether they're all just pissed at the time. I know. Oh, there's another line I liked, which was like, um, "This one turns to Jemima at some point." That old horrible aristocrat person and he says you like Bugs Biz? <laughs> well I quite like making your mind up but I didn't like the album <laughs> do you do you remember do you remember uh, that sketch or that series of sketches that Mitchell and Webb did about writers right uh, you know writers and they, and they didn't do any research about the, whatever their, their their historical subject or their, their real world subject was they just Sort of made it up as they went along, yeah. and it was kind of like, oh, I've seen television. Let's 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 set it in a television studio. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, they like wine, so I'll have some wine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to know anything more than you know, just a bit of wine, yeah, just wine. Absolutely. Give her a glass of wine. That'll give that character wine, 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 wine bars. Why not? Also, the really obvious element was was Chekhov's lift shaft. <laughs> which yes. was closed due to damage needed to be repaired. You're thinking, well, someone's got to end up down that lift shaft by the end of it. And indeed they I did. Think, I, I think it was fascinating. Uh, uh, again, a lot of the directorial choices were... Who did direct this? Alan Grint. Alan Grint, who's Alan a Grint. decent director. And it was written mm. by Philip Mackey, for God's sake, who wrote The Caesars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, what happened? What happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, but there's, there's there are scenes where they've... they've Picked the waterfront flat as a location, so the denouement is filmed in the location. But parts of the location are built in the studio that connect with it. Yeah. And there are some parts of this block of flats they're living in that I just think is basically the the, the studio is at Thames. It's just the stairwell. Exactly. <laughs> it reminded me of the stairwell from that episode of Blake Seven with the sea devil coming down. Oh yeah. You know that rescue? I think. It oh is. the oh the yes the uh, the the spiral. Yes. It, I kept thinking that was going to happen just because it was similar. Yeah. But um, 
Oh. But there was some very odd interior design choices. I think that's what I mean because it's like there's a there's a scene where it, which is supposed to be the lobby or the entrance to the flat, and the door looks like it's been knocked together with two planks. <laughs> and I don't think you they know. could decide whether the flat was going to be in the studio or in the or on film because mm. different times interiors are on studio and sometimes they're in the mm. on film, and it's yeah. so weird that yeah. sometimes someone crosses a room and they're suddenly on mm. film. I've I never know people s- say they don't notice. <laughs> but you couldn't the not difference. in this. It was just no. bizarre. It's weird, isn't it? And it's all many. In some ways, it's to do with the angles, you know, yeah. that they're shooting from. I mean, but it, it's it's really pronounced that that someone walks through, you know, through one part of the flat into the filmed part of the flat and and the only continuity is that she picked up a glass of wine and she's got the same glass of wine so that hides the well hopefully well theoretically hides the uh, the change we do get some nice um resurrection of the daleks location. i did write that down i wrote that phrase there resurrection <laughs> of the daleks location i enjoyed that too i did write that i also like the fact that they te- kept trying to obscure the fact that hms belfast was situated right outside that balcony and it was and they kept um either filming to the left or to the right of it but i knew exactly mm. where it was and i have talked on hms belfast and mm. it was it was literally opposite her flat, but that wouldn't mm. have spoilt the aspirational feel. It was so funny. Mm. You you get one glimpse of it. You see the left hand mm. side of it once in the background. So apart from the the horrible uh, prowlers, stalkers, and violent men, <laughs> and, and the terrible use of oh, just the the sexual aspect of this, and the, in mm. terms of the and the misogyny of it, it was just. Mm. Oh, it was appalling. Derek Smith was fun when he turned up um, mm. as as the the victim's father. He, he was bizarre, mm. though. I thought he'd done it for a while, but he's the one. He was in Shadow, wasn't he? He was one of the mm. he was one of the mafia types in that like seven episode mm. Shadow. But he mm. was fun. My favorite line in the whole thing was 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 Chloe saying, "I must be in Folkestone by this evening." <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that just... Well, that's the thing. She disappears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and far, I, I can't, I couldn't quite fathom quite how jolly her dad was that she was obviously it dead was so when, weird. when he'd been. Some policeman had. Oh, uh, oh, he's on the phone. Oh well, I'll tell him that his daughter's died then. Um, right here. I mean, again, you don't. I mean, you really. I don't like to be hypercritical of any television. Let's face it; they've made more television than I have. Mm. But the. Uh, I, it does sort of feel it's like almost an object. This two-parter is almost an object lesson in how not to do a crime drama. It really is. And what astonishes me, I mean, I like to feel I have been a bit even-handed because I did enjoy Quiet as a Nun very much. It was a very different mm. beast. But these two episodes, I'll go on to say that some of the other episodes I preferred that we watched. Mm. Um, but, I mean, you, you poor sod, you watched them all. But these mm. first two completely irredeemable on every level mm. and I'm just amazed on, on the basis of these which did feel like pilots you're right that they went on mm. to make any more I think it's that era we're in that era of the uh, when they're thinking about the uh, two hour drama and it feels like it was actually meant as a as a one hour 40 film that was <sighs> sort of you know so uh, spliced so... into people would sit and talk to each other in weird mm. ways and mm. you'd think what's going on here why are they talking to each other like this I don't understand the relationship between any of these mm. characters. Who are they and why? Just all mm. of the time. It was just... Well, there's that surreal bit where they go to the library and it's basically to give one of the characters an alibi. But the whole the whole 
chunks of it seem to be to try and set up new suspects because the suspect is so blindingly obvious, if you see what I mean. That scene where Jemima Shaw met Isabel in the park for no reason and endlessly talking about things that were written in a book and it was just like, mm. oh my God, I really don't mm. care. It was so mm. badly constructed. She used my letters in a book. They were horrible, so disloyal. Which book? Fallen Child. She used my letters to her. And foolish, foolish letters. The letters of a foolish woman written down for all the world to see. But Isabel, I read that book. But I didn't read it. They were there in print. Chloe put them in and Valentine published them. And for that I want to kill them. Yes, but you didn't murder Chloe. No, no, I did not want to murder Chloe. I want you to kill her. It is not the same thing. That artist, what is his name? Kevin. Kevin. He murdered her. Oh, you think? Of course. What did you make of the shock ending? What was the shock ending? I've probably forgotten. Well, you mentioned, you've touched on it before, but the because it actually, basically, the uh, lift shaft. Oh, the lift shaft. Well, it wasn't a shock. I was waiting for it all the time. I, I was just surprised. Because it... that's the end. It doesn't, there's no, you know, that's... Who is it? You get, that, oh. it just, you get, a close up on the person who has uh, pushed person B down the down the uh, lift shaft, and that's it. The end of the episode. So bizarre. you know, there's no fallout. There's no which is a relief. I, but, <laughs> it is. Uh, I couldn't. I say I couldn't have. A fallout is an unfortunate way of putting. It. I couldn't have coped with any more of it. I mean, mm. so just to tell you that Ryan watched both of these episodes with me, and then he mm. was like, "I'm out. I'm not watching any more of this." So I had to watch everything else by myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I mean, that's the thing. We, we, we watch it so you don't... <laughs> exactly. Although, as a curio, mm. you could watch it just because it's so funny because it's terrible. Mm. In a way that I would never recommend anyone to watch GBH because I actually thought that mm. was a really terrible thing to watch on the basis mm. that it was just very bad messages and very bad handling of mm. topics. This, mm. yes, it's got that, but at least you can laugh at how... Crossroads, mm. you can't say that anymore. Everyone loves Crossroads these days. But <laughs> how terrible the production values are, that's worth yeah. watching it for almost. What do you think would have helped it? Do you think just cutting it down to one episode might have saved it? Do you think it, I think cutting out a lot of the subplots, cutting out the actors, cutting out Yasmin Pettigrew as, mm. as Tessie, cutting out Kevin John Athlone's character, Ken Hutchison was terrible. Mm. Um, the, the as you say, the victim was terrible, Fiona Victory. Um, Nigel Vellon was kind of this like modern romantic puppy creature. He was weird. Mm. The photographer was really over the top as well. He was really strangely acted. Mm. Everyone was heightened in the wrong way. Mm. I would have completely recast it. And but one of the I would say this. I've never thought this about a TV program before. The worst mm. thing about it was the sound. Mm. I just couldn't hear what people were saying. And do you think that? That glamorous view of you know city London. Do you think that uh, there was that was kind of thrown away as well, or did you sort of get the impression of the pulsing city metropolis? No, did, I didn't. Did that, no. I just felt that they were trying to present London as attractive and glamorous, but it just looked grey and depressing. And yes, and car parking. It really did. <laughs> However much they tried, people having a bucks fizz by the Thames. I'm like, come off it. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh no that that was the that was the uh, MP's personal terrace. Wasn't it, it? Was. The, and, it was. And the strange paparazzi scene, which I've still not uh, quite got from. Bottom, it's so odd, all of yeah, it. Yeah, it, it. All in all, not the greatest no. two, uh, two episodes of television. And we need to move on. So the interesting yeah. thing, though, about that is that 
it does feel that for the subsequent 10 episodes, someone's looked at that and gone, we need to change. <laughs> yeah, so. One of whom might well be Patricia Hodge herself. She, Because it does feel that there is a kind of sort of 90 degree turn, perhaps, after those two episodes. Um, the third episode, I think it's the third episode, The Crime of the Dancing Duchess, is phenomenally fun. Oh, is it? When I watched them all, that's the one with, um, where has it gone? Uh, Hugh Burden and Hugh Paddock in it. Oh, I like and Hugh Burden. Channing is controlling yeah. your mind. Yes. Yeah, and that is, because it's, it's basically about um, camp old actors, and it's just got this lovely... You know, uh, it's it's got a nice sort of jolly feel to it, and it suddenly feels like a different series. Okay, and I think the in the second series there's one about wine, which also holds up quite well. Of the twelve episodes, there are two that I would say, yeah, I like that. So the Damask Collection and the Crime of the Dancing Okay, Duchess I wish I'd known that. If <laughs> yeah, well, we we did, I mean, we didn't know when we selected. We select. I think we selected the two we did pick based on on the actors. Yeah, we did. Or. Uh, that we thought might sort of make them more interesting. I did. I did also uh, want to say that if watching the whole series as I did. Sorry, I know I keep saying that. Sorry, <laughs> but um, it was surprisingly unengaging. I, I found it very easy to, to do something else. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> uh, for several of the episodes, they didn't really sort of draw me in, which is interesting. So, so I think there are two, yeah, you know, pretty decent episodes and. And the, the, of the ten, you know, there are probably a couple more that are okay, and then, and and again across the whole series, there are some great character actors turning up. I don't know whether they're all slumming it or feeling, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. But there's there are some incredible faces that that turn up in this, who you know, make it worth it if you like star spotting you know? yeah so i mean uh, in the very last episode for example one, the schoolboy it came as a complete shock to me in fact i had to i had to get my partner to downstairs and I'd show this to her because it's kind of like it's johnny lee miller as a schoolboy ah, okay and you know and we what we do at home is uh we we've watched a lot of elementary and watched a lot of poetry. yeah so so we give actors poirot points or elementary <laughs> points and basically that's the best elementary point you could possibly have had. <laughs> the only thing that would have made it better is if Lucy Liu had also <laughs> Yes, she should have been very young, I feel. Which is very unlikely. Yeah. So shall we get into episode five, mm. which we chose, which is Dr. Ziegler's case book. Now, the reason we're watching this, I think, predominantly is because it's a performance by Tom Baker. And this is about two years after he'd left Doctor Who. Yeah. And funnily enough, the grey hair's gone, which is interesting. But um... And you get Tom Baker. Tom Baker driving a brown Austin Maxi. <laughs> so bizarre. There's so many times where you just feel like you're watching the Doctor, and he so is the Doctor in this in many ways. Um, well, he's our Doctor in this. Yeah, you, you have. He even says the line, she's a beautiful woman, and you expect him to add probably. I, yeah. I wanted him to go probably. Exactly. I mean, I mean, she's a beautiful woman, probably. But how goes the great work? We need your report for the Security Commission. I can't go any faster. I'll damage the patient. I see you didn't go straight back to Woodside after the BPA do. How the hell do you know? Why is the sky blue, Norman? Are my phones tapped too? Jemima Shaw, eh? She's a beautiful woman. She's also a damn good investigative journalist. I, but have you noticed that scene when he's on the telephone in yes, the corridor? Yeah. And he looks 
borders. Damn to do this telephone acting. I know. It's kind of like wonderfully. Oh God, telephone acting! I hate that. You can almost imagine he's, he's. You can see his brain going. Why did I quit, Doctor? Yes. Hill? I could be. I could be whizzing round France with Lala Ward. Yeah, at the I, this is a load of old shit. What am I doing here? Yeah. There's one point where he said this most doctorish moment, other than the "You're a Beautiful Woman," was where he said, "Did mm. I say that?" At one point, and it was mm. so doctor, and I was like, "It's so hard to watch this." You can see why he was typecast. Did I say that? You did. Yes, well, I get a bit like that when I've had a few too many, you know. I don't get a many do's like last night's anymore. You're very attractive. I had to think of something that might interest you in me. I have to be honest, I was drunk, rambling. I disgraced myself. I'm sorry. I don't believe you, Norman. It's the truth. Psychiatrists are terrible liars. This would have been the summer of the five doctors. Yes. Or the year of the five doctors, yeah. which he didn't do. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, Tom, yeah. you did this instead of that. Oh, but I wouldn't change the five doctors, so I'm OK about that. No, I know. Um, but, yeah. So this is a story about a psychologist, is he? A psychiatrist, psychiatrist um, played by yeah. Tom Baker, Do- Dr. Ziegler. And he is regressing people back because he becomes obsessed with the prospect of the fact that why are they, why are criminals violent? So it's a bit same mind mm. of evil as well. And trying to regress them to understand this and one mm. of the people one of his patients played by john salthouse of abigail's mm. party fame um, mm. and the bill of course um mm. is regressed back to the time of the ripper and mm. he's remembering killing victims as ripper but then he's mm. in this regressed state and he breaks out and he kills someone and it's all terrible and it's all ziegler's fault mm. but there is a nice twist in this one i thought and the twist is that what we don't know until quite near the end is that Tom Baker killed his ex-wife's lover. And mm-hmm. that's why he's interested in understanding the violence. And he actually desperately wants to be regressed himself so he can mm. understand his actions. So it's quite a complicated, mm. um, high concept plot, which mm. I enjoyed. But it feels quite a lot to get your head around in the time you've got. And there's a lot, an awful lot of reported action there's also quite a lot of this um all shady government stuff yes that this this experiment these experiments are being done by this department that wants to turn uh, sort of vagrants into i don't know assassins it seems yeah. it seems to be the general thrust of why he's got, he's got a budget to do this at all uh, there's a, there's an interesting scene uh, talking about Tom Baker as well. There's an interesting scene where he, he goes to use a phone box, and it almost feels that that's so archly shot. Yes. the angle on the deliberately, phone box and, and I wrote Tom... that down as well. It must be like mm. <coughs> referencing it. You expect it to yeah. dematerialize. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so you you've got Tom, and you know, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what you're going to get. Uh, and he, and he's also walking around in a brown velvet jacket as well, which kind of it, it it really does feel that you whack a scarf around him and you're there, really, aren't you? It's kind of like the, a lost bad Doctor Who episode. And, and there's also that bit where like he drinks milk straight out of the bottle, which feels like feels oh, yeah. like a Doctorish thing to do. Yeah. Um, and of course, he wakes up at her flat at the beginning of the episode. Yes. And he wakes up at Jemima's flat and on the couch. But he's fully you know, he's fully clothed again because this is Jemima Shaw investigates some people. Always have sex fully clothed in Jemima Shaw. Ah, except when you're Bill Nye. Bill Nye, oh, I didn't say that. Bill Nye Nipplage. Nye Nipplage. 
in a model murder. That's a dreadful episode. Oh, really? The f- and the fashion one is even worse. Oh, I <laughs> don't want to know. I really don't. No, no. <laughs> Again, if you if you if you if you get very drunk, one yeah, day maybe, the wine, yeah, exactly. Watch the fashion episode. I swear to God, uh, <laughs> even even your partner will will find <laughs> something to enjoy, something to dislike in that. <laughs> That's good to know. Thank you for that tip. Um, I would say that um, the funniest part of the episode was unintentional, as is always the case with mm. Jemima Shaw. And this was a moment where the murderer, um, mm. Greg, who's on the run once he's been regressed, mm. John Salthouse's character, mm. he runs along, but they do a camera trick, but it makes it look like Digby Chicken Caesar from Mitchell and Webb. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, I just burst out laughing, because it's meant to be oh. the sort of like, this roving sort of murderer, but it's just, you just think of Digby Chicken Caesar now, you can't use that technique, it's hilarious. It's funny how comedy sort of picks up on these uh, these tropes in drama, if you like, and, and destroyed them forever. Because I think there's a scene uh, where uh, Pat- Patricia Hodge is in a taxi or in the back of a limo or something, and she's using her dictaphone, hmm. as it were, as it were, sorry. <laughs> she's using her recording device. Yes. And it just reminds me of Smack the Pony. It's just kind of like uh, all all those all, all those scenes in Victoria Wood where they're sort of going, you know, the, the, they're making notes for the program. Again, it's that thing of television doing television badly. You know? Yeah. Television types badly, I should say. Yeah. You do get Ian Hendry in this one. Ian Hendry is a a semi regular. This is pretty much his last uh, role, and he's a semi regular in this. He does three episodes overall. Is that all? In, in, uh, yes, and a sigh, and he does this. It's, it's almost increasingly crumbling. I mean, I, I think it was either the end of this year that he died, or, or the following year. But he, he's he doesn't look well. No, it does not look well. There's a really interminable scene which I wrote down. This scene with Ian Hendry and Patricia Hodge. I don't understand what anyone's saying. It was halfway through. It was, yeah. no, it was twenty minutes in. I really didn't mm. understand what was being said, and that happens so often in Jemima Shaw, where you think. I really just zoned out because I had no clue what you were talking about and it was so Mm. boring and I just thought he was so Mm. ill-served in this. Mm. Psychobabble. Why you call it psychobabble, he says. Because it's abstruse jargon that only you people understand, I said. Nonsense, my dear, he says. And starts to tell me in words of less than one syllable and... uh, And? And I still didn't understand. Child of three could understand. Go get me a child of three, then. I don't understand. <laughs> but surely the important thing about psychiatry is that nobody understands it, and the psychiatrists want to keep it that way. Isn't that the point of your program, Jemima? Psychiatry doesn't work. Well, you can't just say that, side. What about Freud's fraud? Jemima Shaw investigates the greatest cause. Yes, I and... just look at my outline, would you, please? It really is a cameo. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether at that stage in Ian Hendry's career it was just anybody who would employ him. So you know, it was work, so he turned up, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. But but it it feels like this is not an Ian Hendry, you know, Ian Hendry almost you feel should be in the the Tom Baker part in this. You know, it's kind of like you know, it feels like the guest it should be the guest role, and he just turns he, again. He does it in three episodes. He sort of walks through a door, makes some vaguely. Uh, television comment about production <laughs> or something and, and, and strolls off again back to the... You know. They don't believe enough in megalith television, this 
or mm. in the show. There's not enough mm. of it where you feel like, I believe this is a real thing. You just mm. believe she's just fannying about between places and there's not really any sort of connection. You have that other character mm. who replaces um, Yasmin Pettigrew's um, Tessie and it's Cherry, played mm. by Sally Watts, who's a regular. Is she in all of the episodes or not? Uh, I think he is. Yeah, I think she's most of them. I don't yeah. think she's necessarily all of them, but she's the assistant. Yeah. And again, the uh, the the office bollocks. Basically, the officey bollocks is 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 the least interesting it, part. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I mean, you know, you've got to try. You, the world building is not very convincing. No. Let's just put it that yeah. way. It you don't really ever feel that this is a real television production company in any of the episodes at all it, yeah. I mean maybe that's what makes it Thames <laughs> I did feel for Tom Baker's character because Tom Baker is a very good actor yes he feels like the mm. doctor in this I did feel for the character of Dr Ziegler and, and what he'd done mm. and you know at one point he says I might as well have held the knife myself you do believe mm. in his conviction In mm. he, he's trying his best to make it real but you just also know he's thinking mm. this is absolutely crap and I'm, mm. you know, betraying all my ideals by being in this. Absolutely. And, and I'm not standing next to John Pertwee. <laughs> exactly. The man they found still with the victim is called Gregory Kern. He's one of my patients. Oh, God. Undoubtedly, he's the murderer. But it wasn't Kern who did it. In fact, I might as well have held a knife. What do you mean? I've been regressing my patients taking them back under hypnosis to earlier parts of their lives. And to my amazement, past lives, other people's lives, other people's memories began to appear. Surely that's not possible. Will you just listen? One of those past lives began to take Kern over. It was as if, under hypnosis, Kern's body and mind became a sort of carrier, a host to some bizarre parasite who died a hundred years ago, but who still lived on in Kern's memory. I brought him back. Jack the Hoxton Ripper. There is a, a weirdness about it as well. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about government cover-ups and, you know, and evidence being removed and all that kind of thing. And it's trying to be a bit a bit spooks almost, really. It, it never Again, it never really convinces. There, uh, for Doctor Who actor spotters, there is an Arnold Yarrow in there, which is, is quite nice yes. to see. Yeah, Belal. Uh, the old Belal, yes. without his makeup on, mm -hmm. as... Although you can't really tell it's him because it's on a screen and it's... Uh... <laughs> I also Bless have him. a great love of any actors in a series who play minor female characters who are just mm. gi who are just giving one name. Like, right. so Eva Louise is... Um, Eva, she's played by someone called just Patty. She's just called Patty. Mm. It's like that one mm -hmm. in um, one of the Movellans has just got one name in Destiny of the Daleks. It's something I mm. just enjoy. Um, exotic dancer. <laughs> I think the, the the Ripper crime reconstructions seem to have had a little bit more love lavish on them. Who directed this? Was um, Nigel Neville Green? Um, Neville Green. That's right, Neville Green. Uh, and and they seem to again that period drama thing seems to have drawn them more. I think they'd rather have gone off and made a Jack the Ripper series. Yes, they were thinking, <laughs> let's try and get away from this shit contemporary London. Let's do something more mm. interesting. Uh, and I think Tom, actually, uh, to be fair, Tom, I mean, apart from the, there's a wonderful bit where he's just clicking his fingers, which is really effective. Yes, to, to, I wrote that to make down. the point. 
and in the last scene, he's he's basically completely zombified himself using the the uh, the techniques. He's yeah. used, and he's just sitting there staring. Yeah. And it's kind of like he has no lines at all. All the stuff is going on around him, and your eyes you still can't take your eyes off. I know. I don't know whether that's because you're an old Doctor Who fan, no, or whether it's just because it's he is mesmerizing. It's mesmerizing. It I, I do want to play in the scene where he says about how he wants to go back because it is quite affecting. I killed him, Jemima. You? <laughs> it was Stanley who persuaded me how important my work was, how inconvenient it would be if I told the truth. After all, a man has killed before. He is. We made a pact, like Faust. But instead of regressing Greg and the others, I suppose I should have been treating myself, taking myself back. Me. Me. I want to go back to Mama Paradox. I want to go back. Norman. I want to go back. Norman. I want to go back. I'd also like to play in the very end where there's a kind of mm. a voiceovery bit where Jemima's mm. um, packing her stuff up in the office. And I think mm. that was a really good moment. I think Ian Hendry's in that scene as well. There's a little conversation they're having. And it was really nicely done. And I was like, why couldn't it have been directed a bit more thoughtfully like this? Because it's just so rare that there's a thoughtful scene. But I just wanted to celebrate that scene so I'm not being quite so mm. negative. I'll play that in two. We couldn't make it stand up, Jemima. It's right outside our terms of reference. Like they used to say, it's bigger than both of us. Much bigger. Yes, but Si, this way nobody knows. It's my job to tell people. I'll make damn sure that somebody I know knows. All right? Come on, I'll buy you that drink. Okay. Shall we move on? The final episode I watched was Death a la Carte. Great Avengers title. We should have watched that. Oh, totally, <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> what do you want to say about this, Martin? What do you want to kick off? Uh, well, uh, it's if you like... Uh, Stratford John's playing French and wrangling meat. You're in for a treat. Um, you get Stephen Yardley in a wig, which is always fun to see. I, I thought he looked really good in a wig. Usually, I'm saying don't wear a wig, but honestly, he looked quite sexy. No, you, you you think he, you think he's a you think he's a bit of hot beefcake, don't you, Stephen Yardley? Well, yeah, I'm going to say I yes. To recall, I'm going to say I yes. Seem to recall, you were quite impressed with him in, in Day of the Triffids. Yes, and in um, XYY. So, mm-hmm. yes, but he plays the most terrifyingly awful character in this. <laughs> He's this horrible misogynist character who thinks that he can just sleep with anyone. Um, this is the restaurant one. This is the uh, mystery in the restaurant one, isn't it? This is, again, um, uh, yeah, so so everybody in, in who's an important high up in, in restaurant business is a bit of a sleaze. <laughs> he has a line in this, which just tells you how mm. bad this series is, where he says... He says to Stratford John's character, the chef, he says, I'm going to give her one. Don't worry about the old boiler, <laughs> which, which means his wife. Oh, charming man. Lovely. It was just awful. Awful, awful. Do it by yourself, huh? Make a fool of yourself. Drink another bottle of vodka. Mess up the film. Oh, you say I mess up films. My reset. Tomorrow I do TV myself. Okay, okay. Ah. 
Yes, we see me short. Oh, we get a contract. Oh, hey, 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 yeah, I've what? got the champagne open. I'm going to give her one. Ah, <laughs> I'm going to make love to her. It's your anniversary. Oh, this one's special. It's a little darling. Oh, Monica. Don't worry about the old boy. I always see her all right. Now, Jojo, do me yeah, it's it again. It's I suppose it's one of those murder mysteries that doesn't manage to hold up really. I mean, but the, the, again, the, the restaurant scenes are terrible. You know that thing when I was saying about how television doing television is bad. Yeah, but television doing fake uh, restaurant <laughs> scenes is is oh god almighty. You know, I mean, now again maybe it was different then, but now we've seen so many actual shows with chefs and their staff in actual restaurants it it stands out now as being really bad i mean there is a there's a scene uh, poor old stratford john's trying to be french and a bit pathetic yeah. it because let's face it you know stratford john's is a is a bigger than it's, a, it's another one of those larger than life actors and he's having to play this kind of pathetic drunken bit pathetic bit of a failure yeah. and there's a scene where he's he's supposed to be showing off his brilliant chefing skills he's messing with some dough and it's just like no take the camera off the dough yes. for god's sake he can't do this thing he's meant to be good at and then there's that bizarre scene later on where he loses it and he's just mm. got a meat cleaver and he's throwing it around and i'm thinking it's amazing no one left lost their fingers in that production or their mm. heads or, or whatever oh, it was just mm. terrifying and bizarre you do get Graham Seed, you get Nigel Pargeter, who, who actually, again, has a bit part in a previous episode, so he's gone up in the world. He's now a director on, on, on uh, Megalith Television. Who, Graham Seed? Graham Seed. Is he is. the one who's... Is it on the trolley? Can you point to it? Is he in that scene, isn't he, in um, I, I Victoria Wood? I can't remember. He's, 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 he was in The Archers for many years as Nigel Pargeter. He's, he's, very, he's a bit quite, quite posh. I was co quite confused because uh, he's in the... Matrix. He's the one that um, Michael Atwell picks up. Yeah. He, it's him. Yeah. He's also in the making of Acorn Antiques, so it was really weird to see him in the studio gallery here because it was kind of like a, a sort of like hit an in joke that I only felt mm. I was only getting. But yeah. Mm. Anyway, the choices being made at the time for this series, you've got funny foreigner acting. Oh. You know, you got the uh, is, is she Greek or Italian? I don't know, but she waitress? was the worst thing in it, and um, mm. I can't remember just what she was on about, but it was. I'll play a bit of her being terrible when she attacks Jemima because it's so hilarious. That'll be just fine, thank mm. you. Yeah, take it. Mm. Take all of it. What? And these. No, I said I had enough. And these. Are you mad? It's good. Oh, what? You stupid. Oh, no. Lighter me. Bavia. Barker. Strong, you do like her. A thousand apologies, miss. My life and holy smoke. Colin, warm water and a towel. Um, what exactly is going on around here? God knows. What can I say? Look at her, she's crying. You should be crying. Miss Shaw is a personality. One word from her and you're back home gutting fish in the campo. Today is Wednesday. Is my day. Unprecedented is this, miss. Mr Rowland picked her up in Rome, you see. That's the trouble. Temperamental staff. Her mother keeps a dagger in her stocking top. And Maggie Ollerenshaw trying to act a way out of it. Maggie Ollerenshaw, I love. Mm. Yes, she's again yeah, one of those actors you think oh, Maggie Ollerenshaw is absolutely brilliant. And then that she gets this this line about having been his his backup 
um, squeeze for donkey's years. It, yeah. it, you know, it's like she, 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 she was, he was cheating on his wife with her, and then cheating on her with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, she she shouts at the Italian waitress saying, "You'll be mm. gu- you'll be back to gutting slop in the campo or whatever it was." It was like it was so <laughs> weird. It's like who writes this stuff? It like Pip and Jane mm. Baker had written it. It was just terrible. But uh, did um did because uh, you you knew Stephen Hartley you interviewed Stephen Hartley uh, Yardley haven't you? Um no I I met him I never inter- oh. I think I yes I did I think I did interview him for the book yes but he didn't really. I'm just wondering say a lot. did he salvage that portrait of himself for his? Oh, he should have done Bless <laughs> his house yeah you know, in the chef's hat because <laughs> that was a yeah, kind I, of interesting. I wrote down something without intending it to be a joke but it was that set that they had where he was sort of like his, oh, his, boudoir. his boudoir and I've written down it looks like a hodgepodge no pun intended of old sets left over from 321 because, <laughs> because it was like a Japanese screen there was mm. some cushions there was Indian music there was oh it was just mm. is it meant to imply that he just had no taste or is it just that the production values were so low at Thames at this point sometimes I suspect that production designers think they're being witty right by showing off how incredibly tasteless yeah this person is they think it's it'll be hilarious people sitting <laughs> at home will think oh it's hilarious he's got the you know yeah. he's got the Medigliani next to the the constable oh <laughs> who would do that yeah. or whatever yeah and oh look at those look at those drapes look at those right I don't, honestly i don't know but it was really a really odd thing the interesting thing is that the the two-hander uh the end between xena walker and patricia hodge oh. is actually incredibly well done you've got these two old pros giving their all and i thought that scene actually was nicely done okay let, let's put a bit of that in then Never screamed or made a fuss. I thought he loved me. He was always very kind. But I suppose that's what he was. Pleasing the old woman. Our life was a make-believe. And obnoxious. That is a word, isn't it, dear? A good word. I also was very amused by the fact she Patricia Hodge wasn't going to have any food, and then she mm. starts to get some food from this waitress before mm. she goes mad. But later on, I can't believe that the terribly ethereal and posh yuppie that is Jemima Shaw she requests mm. to be sent to a room. I'll have a bacon sandwich then. I'm like, what? <laughs> a bacon sandwich? Really? <laughs> I thought that's is that the most elegant thing you could think of? I mean, now it would be like a Caesar salad, uh, you know, but a bacon yes. sandwich, <laughs> a, a grilled pork panini. <laughs> it was so bizarre. I was like, "What the fuck is this about?" Oh my god! I really hate slagging off. I know the series totally, but you do. I, I, there was this sort of sense that the writers were doing that thing of oh uh what's posh food what's posh food oh uh, you know and they'd looked it up i mean this is before the internet and it was just like oh um i, I, I don't know um uh, pulled pork that's 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 posh. posh people eat that don't they you know and it's like they don't know it's like there's no research going on because this restaurant <laughs> i mean you get that lad with the, the bandage on his arm and he's doing that chopping and he's trying to do the fake oh i'm standing in for the real chef yeah uh and he's trying to do a piece to camera and it's just 
god awful. Oh, the the little the, the kid was interesting because he's Booger Benson, the baddie from Grange Hill. Right. So there you go. There's a little fact for you. I don't think he's necessarily doing it badly. I just think yeah. that it's really badly written and badly staged. You know, it's not. You know, I mean, again, you look at this. I mean, I'm I'm reading through now. I mean, you've got you've got writers like. Uh, um, Simon Brett work on this. There's, you know, who went on to great things. You've got, you know. Um, <laughs> one scene that I want to talk about is when poor old Stratford Johns, honestly, boy, mm. he comes, he's, he arrives at Jemima's door. She's in bed, and she's, I think, and she's got, he's got knife and blood, and it looks like he's coming to murder her. Oh yeah. But then he starts talking about his underwear. Mm. It was so weird. I'm like, what is going on here? Because they're not. That's almost like this is where the commercial break's going to be. We need to. We need a. And it wasn't actually, but it. It, it just feels like this is. This scene has been written to be, you know, crushed to the commercials. She's coming to kill her. Oh, but it's just so. Bizarre. Be killed by Barlow. But I did wonder, like, <clears throat> the ones that were written, that weren't adapted, mm. from the books. Maybe they were worse because Quiet as a Nun was was <laughs> was good. But then a splash mm. of red. Is a Jemima Shaw book, so I mean mm. that could have, that book must have been so different. It just must have been. Mm. But this one was really weird. This particular death a la carte because mm. she works it all out from just seeing some rustling in a bush. You, she, mm. There's no idea that what's going on. It's it's just no, the investigation part is very oh, so slim, poorly handled. I mean, the, the, there isn't like you know she hasn't got even a confidant where she goes and talks to somebody and says, well, what do you think's going on? You know, it's it's it, there isn't really much sign of investigation. It's like <laughs> Jemima Shaw flounces about and finds an answer. Yes, she does, and looks looks lost mm. while doing it. But oh, she gets a whiff of creosote from a coat. I think that's um, oh yes, that was it. But that, that was out of nowhere. But. Yeah. There's a hilarious moment where they find Stephen Yardley's wig. <laughs> it looks like yes. it looks like a squash gerbil. <laughs> it was really yes. unfortunate. And, and apparently there is a spare. <laughs> oh my god! Um, um, I like to think it had blown away from uh, filming Quatermass Two all those years ago. <laughs> Finally ended up in this river. <laughs> the funniest thing about my notes, my notes, is right at mm. the end. I've written. It was directed by Neville Green. And I'm, I'm clearly mm. writing that down so I remember never to watch anything directed by Neville Green again. <laughs> but also, I wrote down, they actually had a cookery consultant on this episode. Oh, dear God, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. And they thought, mm. really? Oh, yeah. gosh. He obviously, he obviously went to the pub. I mean, there's, again, there's a, there's a character in it who's supposed to be the lighting guy, I think. Oh, okay. Supposed to be the... And it's kind of like, again, the, the snobbery within the television industry yeah. is obviously being satirised. I imagine everybody at, at Thames Television found this hilarious. Because, oh, look at the electrician. Oh, he's so common. Oh, okay. come in. oh we're not having our dinner in there. And, oh, I've got, I'm a, I'm a cock and geezer and all this kind of thing. And you just think, oh, please, yeah. please. Yeah, this, it's kind of like, do you think all the electrician... I mean, I know the, the ITV strike had been a few years on, but you think the electrician sort of looked at that on, when they were filming it and thought, well, pull the plug, mate. <laughs> Union, everybody out. This is what everyone <laughs> yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. Um, but my favourite line in the whole thing isn't, mm. I'm going to give her one, don't worry about the old boiler. My favourite line is, I make the best charcuterie in the world. That was my favourite line. It was just so okay. terrible. Uh, I did want to pick out one oh, yes. particularly dreadful scene in the middle of it. Uh, it's where. It's where just the one. Um, 
it's where the inspector is, she suddenly seems to start playing Doctor Watson to the the cheap the police inspector, oh, yeah. and then he sort of says he talks about his time at Savile Row, Nick, oh, yeah. and the girls, and the dirty girls, and, the, oh. and you just think, and and it was just like in a little soliloquy oh, really? they dropped in the middle it? of this. Do you you want me to remember that? No. It really really stood out for me as a what the. I thought, I thought Andy will love that. And he can't remember. No, I don't remember. Well, I mean, it's the sort of it's... thing I usually notice and I make notes about because I'm horrified. You think he threw him in the river? Olympic weightlifter. He was shaken when he saw the body. He wasn't faking that. Because the body was caught up in the stanchion. He hadn't thrown it far enough. Just a notion. What about uh, this Metro D, Betty? Trollop of the old school, I'd say. Loyal to her patron. Straight as a die. Right, going for a take. Really? I was trained at the Savile Row, Nick, Monsieur. I spent ten years patrolling the Bayswater Road. Very quiet, everywhere now, please. I loved those gorgeous, naughty, dirty girls. I said quiet! There was just so much that was terrible in this about people. They were just terrible people. But there's also a point in the in the script where Jemima suddenly spouts some poetry for no good reason. It, it, it's a real, it's a shame. It's a hodgepodge. It is a hodgepodge. I'm going to say it is. it is a hodgepodge, which is just so hilarious. Considering it's kind of like they've thrown all the elements of what they think is a crime drama, or will be yeah. young and exciting, and 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 yet you know hip and happening and metropolitan mm. and and telly. Oh, isn't telly exciting? <laughs> the world of telly, and it's like they've thrown it all at the screen, and some of it's stuck on the wall like some you know your spaghetti's cooked yeah. and some of it's fallen on the floor and it's down amongst the bins oh. and down amongst all the Honestly. where the dogs have their <laughs> it really is down there it's that yeah. dregs feeling oh we are going to get sort of people criticizing this because because there are people who genuinely loved this series uh, i can't believe they've watched but, it since 1983 if they did or they well they claim to really like it. I, I suspect what it is is they claim to really like a couple of particular episodes, right. and they and they have fond memories of those. I mean, I don't. We I can't. can't no, we can't think. speak for them. They they, they no. have their opinion. Um, but uh, but I, I mean, if you if you want an absolute hoot, I think High Style, which is on disc three, is uh, the idea. Again, it's it's interesting. It's kind of like. You've got the topic of the week, and I guess that is the structure of the TV show they're mimicking yeah. in the in, in the thing. So this week we're going to do fashion. This week we're going to do wine. This week we're going to do you know models. This week we're going to do Greeks. You know, yeah. this week we're going to do psychiatry. Yeah. And actually, I mean, the Chamber of Horrors one is just so bad. It's I mean, it's Don Henderson in it, and I like Don Henderson yeah. as an actor, but it's uh, and Brian Cox yeah. is in it. Not that one, either one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think you have to say that. Roy, Prom- Roy Plumley turns up doing a, a Jemima Shore is on um, Desert really? Island. Really? Oh, yeah. So you get these little moments that uh, with these incredible actors. I mean, Larry Lamb from Fox is in the Damas collection, the wine one. He's, again, another in J- uh, Jemima's long... Jemima? Uh, yeah. Jemima Shore. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep, for some reason, I, I was, I was, I keep, over the course of the last couple of days, I keep referring to her as Jessica. Don't know why. Um, but anyway, Jemima, another of her really bad choices in men. 
really bad. She seems, I mean, she's living the liberal lifestyle. She's, you know, she's, you know, doing her own thing and everything like that. But God, oh, she can't half pick some rotters. She, oh, she's terrible. But also, she'll she'll have anyone slathering over and she doesn't mind. It's disgusting. I mean, I think what if Stephen doing? Yardley hadn't gone off and been murdered, um, she would have slept yeah. with him in this. And like, honestly, really? Ugh. Well, again, the interesting thing about that episode specifically is that the whole plot hinges on a misunderstanding and you kind of think all this writing that basically seems to think that human beings don't actually talk to each other about stuff yeah you know and it's kind of like all this plot could have happened if somebody had just said something to somebody you know it's kind of the whole misunderstanding that the reason she kills him is because on their anniversary he's going to sleep with Jemima Shaw, and he says he's going to do it, even though he never actually does. Yeah. And there is a you know chance he might have told him to get lost. You know? But it doesn't matter that he whether he does sleep with her or not. It's the fact the intention was there to sleep with her. Surely, yes, possibly. But even so, the, what I'm saying is a thing that never happened causes a character to die. And you know that again, I I get quite tired. <laughs> I get quite tired of a lot of modern television. Yeah. as as I as I. Constantly but it out. sounds like you're getting tired of archive TV at this point. I'm getting, I, I'm, I'm struggling with with certain aspects of it, and, and I think it's, it's just that this, you, you get tired of this sort of lazy plotting, yeah. If you like that, that just assumes this, this, and this, or people will go off shouting, or you know, people will decide. In murder mysteries specifically, the motive always seems so tenuous. You know, if you were <laughs> daft enough in real life to want to take somebody else's life, yes, I like to think enough. that... I like to think... Well, I mean, there's been some terrible stuff in the news this week, which oh. you know, we shouldn't dwell on. No, no, but not. if you were stupid enough to think that was the way to solve your problem, yeah. your solution, or getting someone out... You know, you like to think that you would either go away and think about it, or you would actually... the. The thing that makes people just decide, right, I'm going to kill him, in drama, seems so tenuous. But maybe that's you accurate, know. though, Martin. Maybe it is that people are stupid, and maybe that's the message. Jamal uh, Mishore investigates stupid people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what she's investigating. Stupid, affected, mainly upper-class people who, mm. yeah, whose lives are not aspirational at all for me. Mm. Um, Do you think it could be done better? Oh, absolutely. Jamal think. What I thought... I think it's a good idea for a series. What I thought this reminded me of that was done better, even though it was still shockingly bad. Do you remember Virtual mm. Murder? Mm. Which was kind of deliberately saying, this is really camp and it's silly. Mm. Um, it reminded it's me... It's trying to be the uh, the, uh, the Avengers out of time. Yes. We'd get that vibe. I think if she'd been them, accompanied yeah. by people who were more interesting, who were there every mm. week, and the TV mm. bit had been stronger... Then perhaps... quirky would have been interesting. Quirky, a quirky take on yeah. that would have actually yeah. uh, worked a lot better. Yeah, it feels take it takes itself far too bloody serious. It reminds me a bit of Murder Most Horrid. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know it's kind of like actually if they played it for comedy, it might have been you know something like uh, the Thin Man films mm -hmm. or something like that, or or the um, the Miss Marples uh, with um, oh uh, Margaret Rutherford. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of slightly arch, slightly the fun side of murder. Yes, I think it needed that. It actually would have worked better. It actually needed that sort of like ITV shit take on Marple to make it even vaguely work because it just doesn't work. <laughs> um, I would say I really highly recommend people watch Quiet as a Nun, particularly that would be a brilliant thing to watch like on Christmas Eve. 
that sort of feel. It's got a really sort yeah. of cosy, old school yeah. TV feel. And I really recommend people yeah. to watch that. And like I say, the crime of the dancing duchess of this and uh, the um, oh god the uh, the damask collection, uh, which yeah. is uh, the eleventh episode. Even now, they stand out amongst the rest as being more memorable. There's just some nice performances, nice actors. You know, again, they they're still basically all over the place, but they've got some. They've got better glue holding them together. I think. Yeah. You know, and of course, obviously, we like watching Tom Baker in his prime. Yes. Uh, that Doctor Ziegler's casebook is worth. A look, and of course, if you want to see a little Johnny Lee Miller, you know that's uh, in the the final episode, uh, a little bit of wildlife. So, you know there there is uh, there are things to be enjoyed. I, I used to say there are things to be enjoyed across the whole thing, but overall, it's not the greatest television drama ever made. It really isn't, shall we say? No, it's it's not even close to the top ten of what things that Thames TV made or top twenty. I mean, honestly, but Patricia Hodge. Her career seems to have survived it. I know, but I bet she must have thought this is a close run thing. I bet she was nervous because it is pretty terrible. I mean, what did she do she next? Was it Life and Loves of a She Devil? That must have been soon after. Like it's um, again, it's a summer thing. It was on in the yes, summer. Yes, they hid which... it, didn't they? Hide yeah. it in the schedules. This is a summer mm. program. You never put anything out in the summer. Mm. They deliberately June hid to it. August. Yeah. yeah, and and they never went back to it. No. There was no series two. They knew it was crap. I think. <laughs> honestly very confident i mean but... again I, I think this sometimes though do you think it would have worked say better as a daytime drama rather yeah than i mean they didn't make drama. daytime dramas like this then but yes it's kind of the sort of rubbish that you 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 used to get but now the thing is there's daytime dramas like them um, i was listening to um paul talking about father brown and that is actually mm. very decently done for a yes, daytime drama um, so mm. back maybe, you know, 20 years ago, the daytime dramas could have been a mm. bit like this, but I don't know. Cause, I mean, now we've got sort of things like Shakespeare and Hathaway. and, and that, Oh, I, I watched that because it's silly. I watched some of that. Mm. Um, I yeah. haven't watched any for ages, but... But if it had that vibe... Yeah, yes. And I, I, and I think also what it misses, and again, that's possibly because it comes from the books, is it misses a team. It misses... Byplay. The 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 byplay between her and the secretary is is employer employee. Yeah. So it doesn't work. And, she, it, and, and, the, and we, we need to know what she's we need together. to know what she's thinking. And there's no device for that. She doesn't have time in her own head, which would be something that would make sense. You sort of feel there should be a brilliant researcher who comes yeah. in and goes, oh, you know, it's something, yes. just something. Yeah. You know, you kind of feel that maybe you know that there is there is somewhere at the heart of your mind, sure investigates. There's actually a pretty good idea screaming to get out it's I, just, i'm not convinced well you know what i'm saying is it could be a perfectly tolerable, tolerable. adequate tolerable i think tolerable is, is really such a damning thing to say about tolerable well, maybe maybe i should leave it we can put that on there's a quote on the on the dvd i used to find quotes for old series when i was doing dvds <laughs> you'd find the word tolerable and put that on tolerable well, like the I daily star <laughs> some people some people love it so yeah yeah Okay, I would like to end by just returning to Tom Baker briefly because I just love the oh. way he repeats the word Jemima. I just want to play that in. <laughs> Why didn't you get that oh, far? Jemima. Norman, we have to have those tapes. Jemima. Jemima. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to us once again, going back to an old TV series. 
We did enjoy watching most of Jemima Shaw. No, we didn't. Let's let's not pretend. <laughs> but um, I hope. It's, I, I hate to say it's sixteen hours of my life I won't get back, but that's. Uh... <laughs> I can't believe you watched it all. You're 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 a. I watched some of it twice. You're a very strange man. I'm very. I feel. I, it's dedication. It's dedication. You know, we, we 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 don't bring you this stuff just purely on. You know, we actually watch it. We know what we're talking about. You know? Yeah, we've we've given some detailed notes. We've we've talked about some key scenes. I think mm. we've engaged and educated. I think look, I think <laughs> we've taken a very Rethian view of um, in this podcast. You've saved your twelve pound or whatever. It Mine was way more than that. I tell you that. Was it? Yes. Oh, is it is it deleted? I think it's deleted. So I think I paid twenty quid for mine. It's, people will pay good money for this because they see that Tom Baker performance. And people again, you've got this weird thing sometimes yeah. with people who want to see everything an actor did. Yeah. I've never had that. Anyway, thank you for going back with me. We will be back next time for the letter K. Letter K. I suspect I won't be saying much next time. So that's <laughs> uh, and, wow. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, we uh, look forward to it. You take care. And you take care, Martin. Bye. been listening to an a to z of uk tv drama if you enjoyed the episode i know that andy and martin would love to hear from you on twitter better still why not leave them a review on apple Podcasts so that other archive tv fans can find them jemima 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 (laughs) 